Welcome back. This is a special midweek episode, and I'm going to call it a book club episode because I read a lot of books all the time, and a lot of it overlaps with leadership, with chief of staff concepts, with productivity and fulfillment, and just tools and strategies you can use in your day-to-day and week-to-week. The first book is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. McEwen, McCowan, Greg M., Essentialism. And what this book is talking about is living by design, not default. So living with intent and having clear intentions. And the main theme of the book is clarity equals success. So being very clear about what's essential to you is going to allow other things to fall into place pretty nicely. And it's also about not necessarily crossing things off on your to-do list. It's more about what what ends up on your list or what's allowed to be on your list. So only the essential things should be on your to-do list at all. The book also has this concept of a non-essentialist and an essentialist. So a non-essentialist is living their life kind of in zigzags and squirrely lines all over the place, and their life or productivity kind of looks like scrambled eggs. And the essentialist is very clear and precise on this is what I'm going after. This is what's most important to me. And the way in a non uh, the way a non-essentialist thinks is I have to be all things to all people. So I'm running around and I have to do this because it's all important and there's pressure coming in from all sides. And I'm trying to find time in my day to cram all this stuff in. Whereas an essentialist says, I'm going to choose to do less things, but do them better. So I'm going to have higher quality output and higher quality work output by being an essentialist. So these these are the few things that really matter, and I'm going to do them very, very well. A non-essentialist, I love this, I love this term, a non-essentialist has the undisciplined pursuit of more. So the undisciplined pursuit of more. So they're just reacting to whatever is right in front of them or what someone else is putting right in front of them and making that the most urgent thing. Whereas an essentialist is the disciplined pursuit of less. So the disciplined pursuit of less. So they're discerning what really matters and what's really important. And so if you think about that, living your entire life as a non-essentialist can be pretty unsatisfying. So you're kind of at the behest of other people, whatever's happening to you, and you don't have a lot of control in that. And if you're working on the essentialist side of things, you have a life that really matters because you're doing things that are really important, like the stuff that really matters. And you feel a lot more in control of of your day and of your activities and where you spend your time and energy. So there's the concept throughout the book of a non-essentialist and an essentialist. And obviously they're promoting being an essentialist. One of my favorite things that the author talks about is this notion of protecting the asset. Protecting the asset, and the asset is you. So one of the best ways that we have for making a contribution in the world is ourselves. And so when we underinvest in our minds and our bodies and our spirit, all these different things, then we are underserving the people around us. We're not contributing to our highest. And One example that you can use to think about this is a singer. So a singer's asset is their voice. That's that's what they do. They're the singer. And so if they abuse that and they say, okay, well, I'm not going to take care of my asset. I'm going to smoke and I'm going to drink and I'm going to go into a yelling contest or I'm going to go to a concert the night before or a sports event right before I have my performance and my voice is going to be hoarse. Well, they're not protecting the asset. They're not taking care of that. 
in the same way as leaders, we are the asset. So we are the mechanism through which our leadership is, is distributed in the world, if you can stick with that analogy. And so we have to take care of ourselves. And one of the examples they have in the book is sleep. So a lot of people say, I have to do all these things. People are putting urgent things on my list. I got to get through my list, all these different pressures. And they say, okay, well, I can stay up one more hour and get one more hour of productivity done. Or they can expand it and say, I'm going to stay up for four hours and pull an all-nighter and then get four more hours of productivity done. And that's kind of the way of the non-essentialist. The essentialist would say, well, if I got one more hour of sleep, and got good sleep, then I could come back the next day and maybe produce the same amount or more, but, or and, and it would be higher quality work. So that would be the equation for the essentialist. So it's it's kind of like thinking of sleep as a luxury, it's kind of a nice to have, or thinking of sleep as a priority, and it's essential that I have to get that done in the day. The other useful framework that I pull from the book and I use all the time, and I I like to talk, uh, walk other people through this because it's helpful, is how to evaluate opportunities. So we have lots of different opportunities or things that are being trying to be thrown on our plate, and how do you evaluate those? So of course, one, be very clear about what you're trying to get to. That always helps. And then as these opportunities come up, here's here's a way to think through that. And there's two buckets or two gating points to go through. One is the minimum criteria. So what is the minimum criteria for this option to be considered? And what is the extreme criteria? And in this case, extreme means like the most ideal, like the very best criteria for this option to be approved. And so if you think about what are your three minimum criteria here, it could be in general or it could be for this opportunity specifically. But what are the three minimum things that has to have this for it to even be on the table. And when you're evaluating an opportunity, it has to hit all three of your minimum criteria. Can't be one out of three or two out of three. It's got to hit all of your minimum criteria. And then you, once you gate through that portion, you go to your extreme criteria and you say, okay, what are my three extreme criteria here? And it has to hit two out of the three extreme criteria. Can't just be one. So it has this very high threshold of if you take on this opportunity or you consider this opportunity or not. So what's the opportunity? What is my three minimum criteria? Does it gate through that? Yes, okay. Then does it hit at least two out of the three extreme criteria? If yes, then all right, let me consider this. Let me find out more information or let me say, yes, let me pursue this. But it has to be to that high threshold. So another thing they say is it's gotta be a hell yes or a no. So it's got to be like, yes, I'm all in. This is the best opportunity. It's giving me the biggest bang for my buck toward my toward my goal, which I'm really clear about. And that one gets my attention and gets my energy. Everything else is discarded. And they say they also talk about that in the sense of the, of the 90% rule. So if you're saying, okay, let me score this opportunity zero to 100, and 100 is the closest to my goal, well, it has to be a 90% and everything else below 90 defaults to zero. So it's got to be that high, high threshold. And I think that's a really good way to look at different things that are that are coming up in life as an opportunity or being thrown on our plate as a, hey, why don't you do this with your time? Another element of essentialism is in order to do more, you actually want to remove more instead of taking more on. So they talk about the Latin root 
of the word decision is C-I-S or C-I-D, and it means to cut or to kill. And so words like scissor or homicide, to cut or to kill, we still have those in our language today. And there is a sense of at some point you have to make a choice and you have to decide what you keep and what you discard. And so you are sacrificing something, but that's an important part of the process. So it's the art of saying no and the art of uncommitting yourself. They talk about a film editor and a film editor will literally, or at least it used to be literally, take pieces of film and cut them out and discard them and they'll fall on the floor. And so what's left is the most essential parts of the story. So what furthers the plot? What builds this character? What event has to happen? What needs to be portrayed and shown to the audience? And what's essential stays in the final film. All the other bits get edited out or cut out. And then they have this quick story I'll share in in the book. It's a little, it's a short story. It's a little anecdote, but it's about Herbie the Hiker. So Herbie the Hiker is a, a Boy Scout and Alex is the camp leader. And so Herbie is the slowest out of all the boys. And Alex is trying to get all the Boy Scouts to the campsite by sunset. And so at first, Alex tries to have the boys wait for Herbie and then Herbie catches up. But once they start walking again, Herbie falls behind and there's that gap again. And so then Alex goes, okay, let me put Herbie in the front of the line. But that didn't work either because then everyone goes as slow as Herbie and they're not going to make it to the campsite on time. The third thing Alex tries is he said, okay, let me take some weight out of Herbie's backpack. So food and supplies, equipment, and let me distribute that to the other boys on the hike. And when that happens, then they all make it to the campsite on time. So Herbie the Hiker is kind of this, this analogy or this story point for asking yourself, what is the slowest hiker in your life right now? So what is the slowest hiker on a project you're working on or in your productivity system? And if you can identify that main obstacle or the point that's slowing you up and either eliminate that obstacle or if it's a Herbie the Hiker situation, distribute that weight differently so the thing gets done, then that's something to keep in mind and look at. But um, I, I laughed when I read <laughs> Herbie the Hiker was the slowest for the first time. And it was like, oh, I have some Herbie the Hikers in my life right now. And it's worth taking a look at and saying, hey, can I, can I redo this in some way that works best, that works better? All right. The final framework, which is my absolute favorite, and I use it all, all, all the time. When I saw this thing, it was like, like light bulb fireworks going off in my brain. It's a simple chart from the book. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it on your screen here. And if you're listening, then I'll describe it to you. But it's two circles, and the circle represents energy. So your time, your effort, the energy you give to things. And in the first circle, there's about 12 arrows going out, and they're going out from all directions. But the arrows are only going so far. They're going a pretty short distance, because when you're spreading yourself out thin, you, you don't get very far in anything you're doing. In the second circle, there's one arrow. And it goes further than all the other 12 because you're consolidating all of your energy and effort and time into this one thing. And so you go further faster. It's kind of like a light. So like a lamp in a room, you turn on a lamp and it diffuses the light in the greatest space in the room. So it's trying to get light into all areas of the room. And that's the lamp's job. But if you take, say, a magnifying glass and you pinpoint that light into one spot and you funnel all the energy through that magnifying glass, that becomes more powerful. You can light something on fire with that kind of light, with that kind of heat. 
And so uh, another analogy there might be like a laser beam, right? So like a lamp has the nice, oh, mood lighting. And then a laser beam is light consolidated into one, into one beam of light. So that is something that I just keep in mind all the time. Hey, am I spreading myself too thin? What's most essential? Get clear on that and then evaluate opportunities as they come up. So you're not the circle with 12 arrows or as a chief of staff or as an executive leader, you might have like dozens of arrows and you're trying to be pulled in different directions. You've got to be clear on what's most essential and you've got to go after that one or two or maybe three most important things, but not 12 or 24 things. So that's the main takeaway I'll leave you with. How are you using your energy? How are you distributing your time and effort? And make sure you're going after the most essential things with that. All right, so this concludes our first book club episode. Um, By the way, I do have a top 10 books list for leaders. So the top 10 books every leader must read. And I do that every year. So the one for 2024 is out now. And I'll link to that in the show notes. I'll actually link to to the previous year's list too, just in case you're curious. But if you want to find out what those lists are, you can check out the link in the show notes. And if you found this episode helpful, or you think these types of episodes would be useful, if you could just let me know that. So like or comment or ping me on LinkedIn or somehow indicate that <laughs> this was helpful. And uh, I'll, if people are reacting positively, I'll, I'll continue to do these kind of one-off bonus episodes. And if there's crickets and tumbleweeds, then I will know that I should probably <laughs> not spend time doing these. Or I probably still will, because it actually helps me collect and consolidate my thoughts uh, on a book and, and what I just read. But anyway, um, please let me know what you think. And please check out those top 10 book lists if you are a reader or you like to get different information that could be useful for you. All right. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time on Leveraging Leadership. Sharing is caring. Send a link to this show to someone you think would enjoy it and tag Emily on LinkedIn. She'll give you a shout out on the next episode as a thank you for helping get the word out.